In the future, roving bands of comic book podcasts will savage the wasteland, once known as the internet. One podcast, the Grawlix Podcast, may not be the biggest, may not be the funniest, may not be the most well-spoken. Wait, what was my point again? Oh yes, the Grawlix Podcast. Listen to it at GrawlixPodcast.com. That's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com. You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Hey, Jordan, your usual drink tonight? Yes, thank you. So, where's Eric and Ryan? Uh, they're on their way. I wanted to listen to your latest podcast, but where can I download the episodes again? You can download all of our episodes at movieguyspodcast.podme.com. You can also find us on every social media platform. Every social media platform? That's awesome. Hey, it looks like your friends are here. Let me get the first round for you guys. So, I'm going to argue... Hopefully you guys agree with me, but I'm going to say that this is, without a shadow of a doubt, in my opinion, the most beautiful filmed movie I have seen in a very long time. This movie's gorgeous, right, Eric? Oh, there was a lot of just beautiful scenes, whether they be uh, just not even war-related, just just the countryside itself. Yeah, I think it was it was great, and even aside from it being shot, I think the sound editing was fantastic, too. The one thing these war movies do well um whether it be this one or what was the uh, dunkirk um that happened last year right was their sound editing a lot of these parts are supposed to be so loud because it's the war i i enjoyed a lot of parts of this movie but i have a lot of questions for this this movie too oh absolutely um i think that i mean even the just from the technical aspects alone there's a lot of a lot of complicated stuff going on, going from like inside to outside. Um, but like especially the scene where he's escaping the Germans in that like bombed out little village, and how they have the planes flying overhead and the light is kind of like circling around him, but everything's blocked out in shadows because of the like the fragmented walls all around him. It's yeah, no, it's this is a really beautiful movie to look at. So I gotta, I gotta confess something to you guys. This, this goes into the rabbit hole of my life. So everybody, come down with me here. You know, since we're in a bar right now talking anyway, right? Yeah. I, this is, this is my Monday night. I come home from work. It's a hard day, right? Wife has dinner on the table. This is a true story. And I said, you know, I'm gonna have myself a glass of whiskey with dinner, right? So I pour myself a glass of whiskey straight up, and all of a sudden. Problems, 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 right? Just problems, problems. Just the constant family knack problems, right? And then I look at my phone, and I look at the clock, and I'm like, 1917 starts in 20 minutes. I can make it. And I go, I'm going to the movie. See ya. <laughs> so I go to the movie half drunk, and uh, I got sobered very, very quickly because I realized... Oh, this is all one shot. This is pretty. And then it was amazing. It, it was it was an amazing experience to become sober. You were ready 
for this movie because I think this movie was giving you a bit more than just yes. the story that it had to offer. It also was giving this you a movie, real good escape. Yeah. yeah, this movie was like was it was kind of like I was high. I was like, whoa! Because here's the thing: this movie's technically amazing, and I just and I love it because the movie starts off just so beautiful, so beautiful. Um, where you get the two guys sleeping and the camera pans back right and it's a beautiful meadow with trees and flowers and stuff and then as soon as the camera pulls back and keeps on pulling back while they're talking about nonsense they get deeper and deeper into these trenches i'm just like holy crap like this is this is beautiful this is amazing like how do you go from a meadow to no man's land it's just astounding right immersive too. Did you guys uh, notice the details, like uh, uh, the finer details that the British trenches were just uh, grim, they were ugly, you know, dirty, they were just uh, just spiritless almost, you know, just beaten. But the Germans, when we got to see the abandoned trenches, like that was top notch. They kept that, they kept those trenches clean. And right. that was one thing that was very noted during World War One is that, well, the Germans were just more uniform, you know, they were... They were all on the same page and fighting for something, whereas you had the other side, the the British uh, and the Allies, uh, just basically scared, kind of defending. They don't know what's coming. Now, I have a question for Ryan, because to go off of that, um, Eric, now, I heard that this movie was one shot. Clearly, it's not literally all in one take. You know, there's cuts. Um, there's no other way to tell the story besides shooting it that way, in my opinion. But, Ryan, my question for you is... Do you think that this movie was missing a Saving Private Ryan battle to show us how horrific World War One is? Or do you think them going into no man's land, that muddy field, was a good way of showing that? Is this movie missing that big D-Day battle scene? No, I mean, I think that it has, I mean, you can equate, it's not like over the top with, you know, all these bodies flying everywhere, but the scene where he has to escape the French village. Um, to get to the river i think that's you know that's kind of your because he's he's by himself surrounded by the enemy and he has to kind of fight and hide his way out of it um it's not like bloody or anything but you witness him like he he murders a guy like he strangles him to death yeah, he chokes him and then he has yeah then he has to he has to run away while getting shot so i mean it's like i think the them crawling through no man's land and fall like him sticking his wounded hand into the corpse he's ooh, dead right blood all and yeah, like he's probably he's probably got some infection going on, um, but like that. I mean, I think that sets it up wonderfully for you know the horrors that you're gonna that you know that, that the war that happens during the war. Now, see, one of the things that I always found fascinating when it comes to Hollywood war movies is that everybody always does World War Two, and you know you got some Vietnam movies here and there, but nobody really that I have seen has made a really great compelling. Saving Private Ryan, Thin Red Line, kind of World War One movie that there, I have seen. Is there trends in in Hollywood in in war though? Because it it seemed like maybe I don't know, maybe five eight years ago that the trend was more um, Pacific, you know, kind of World War Two uh, or yeah, it was World War Two, right, against the Japanese and kind of the islands. Um, so you had like uh, oh there was an HBO miniseries oh that was just called the the, the Pacific yeah that, that was that was a spinoff of Bannon Brothers uh, but you had that um, what was a uh, um, that one with uh, that Mel Gibson directed 
Oh, um, oh, 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 oh Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw yeah. Ridge. That's one of my Hacks favorites. Hacksaw Ridge. That's a fantastic. So there's there's another uh, type of movie where you had like a saving private moment there, a very keen moment. But when you're asking for one moment, I think this entire movie basically was it, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, No Man's Land was creepy. And keeping up the trend of World War One, because you now have the Peter Jackson film that was released earlier this year, uh, They Will Never Grow Old. Mm-hmm. So I think we're we're doing this this kind of trench warfare thing that's that's kind of coming back a bit. Uh, maybe just um just to to have a war movie. It seems that Hollywood seems to have the need of a quota for some sort of wartime film. Always uh, something well, like that for some reason. Well, to go on that stupid question though, do you think it's because? And then we'll get back into the movie. Do you think it's because of the very successful Battlefield One video game? That's that was considered one of the greatest first-person shooters received and and sold wise of all time and that came out two three years ago so do you think go with the trend that helped a bit more right so that do you think it helped i'm sure it it helps a little bit but i mean ryan what what would you say if there was um whether it be a video game or something trend that's just kind of kicking off there uh, i still feel like hollywood has to have or maybe just america has to have this this norm of there's a, a war that we're kind of observing a bit more Ken Burns did the Vietnam documentary a few years ago too, so there's always seems to be a an area for this. Well, I mean, our country has a like a we I don't want to say this like in a political way, but we kind of hero worship our troops, like the like the soldiers that fight for uh, their country. We put up on a higher pedestal. So I mean, like this sort of thing is sort of like. If like you compare like compare this to Birdman, right? They're both presented as one long take. They're both you know like different anxiety stuff, but you know life and death versus you know presenting your art and whatnot. But like you're gonna get sucked into this one more just because you're gonna view that those two characters on a higher pedestal than you do Michael Keaton and Birdman. You know, like For that's sure. why I think these like a lot of war movies are. Um, like awards bait and like they're more successful in general just because like American Sniper like that movie is an okay movie it's got you know it's got a few really tense moments but a lot of it is kind of like the vast majority of it I find kind of boring um but it done it did so well because um regardless of how you feel about the main character I can't remember his name Chris Kyle he Chris Kyle I knew it was Chris something um, but regardless how you feel about the guy personally, there is a sort of there is a heroic aspect to it that we you know, uh, we fawn over. Oh yeah, uh, same with like a Hurt Locker, um, because in those types of movies, whether aside character aside, um, and this seven uh, nineteen seventeen that we're talking about here, there is a detail of authenticity that I think the audience is is demanding more than anything. And whether it be American Sniper or uh, Hurt Locker, where we have these these kind of truer stories that are more personal, so that the viewer can kind of put themselves, immerse themselves a bit more into that position, or you have this this ensemble of a type of movie, 1917, where you are are in it. You are. It's not just you. You know, you're with your your team, and you're in it together. That. That wide shot uh, in the the last part where Lance Corporal, uh, well, the other the one that lived, I guess, uh, where he had to make the decision to to get up and and cut across no man's land during the first wave, that was a that was a beautiful shot. That itself should win the award. 
That shot right. was, I thought, fantastic. And it's unfortunate. I'm sorry, that's the wrong word to, to use. I uh, not unfortunate. It's um, I would have liked to have seen more of that because that 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 war is ridiculous, right? Just to just to run like, you know, berserker yeah, style. It's crazy. That's one, I was reading about that. We'll go back to the thing I want to tell you about guys in a second. But uh, to go on that at the end of the battle when he gets up and he runs across the field, um, I was reading that every time that he ran into a guy, that was all by accident. It was Authenticity. Just, it was completely like what was it? Two or three times that he that 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 he collided with another actor that was playing a soldier. Um, that was all real. That was not planned. He was running, and the soldiers just ran him down. Um, the moment of the movie where I snapped out of my uh, hazy whiskiness is when, I mean, his friend who is going who who's they're invested because the whole point of the movie is that they are runners. They're supposed to go. Within a day's journey, I believe it's what it's supposed to be, um, mm-hmm. on another front to tell them to not attack the Germans because it's a trap. And also, another thing's at stake, besides saving these 1,600 men, but it's one of the guys, his brother's a part of the 1,600 men. So he wants to go and save his brother. The moment where I came out of my complete whiskey drunken haze on the theater was when he got stabbed by the German. What a terrible way to go. I mean, they see a dogfight in the air. The American, or I'm sorry, the uh, British planes shoot down the German plane. It's on fire. It crashes by them. They take him out to save him. And then the one friend says, should we just end him? And there's like, no, 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 we'll save him. And then we hear the kill off screen. Mm. Right? And yeah. then, and, and, and then he starts taking off all of his gear, and then the blood just starts pouring out of his stomach. And I'm like, I thought this was a buddy movie. What the fuck? Like, he dies? Yeah. That was a uh, that was a pretty good Completely twist. Completely shocked uh, when Tommen uh, Baratheon dies there. Right. What do you think of the death? No, no. I thought it was great. I thought the the way it's presented, um, especially because like at that point, once we follow, once we start following t- uh, the other guy, the one that makes it to the end, I can't remember their names. Um, Just once, for once Lance they, Corporal we... Schofield, Lance Corporal Blake is the one that died. So Lance Corporal Schofield. Blake is the one, yeah. So Schof- uh, is it Schofield or Schofield? Schofield. You're right. Schofield. So when we when we start following Schofield to the 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 water pump, like that's when like like that's like the signal essentially like that's now he's the main character. He's going to be on his own because like we're now experiencing everything through him because we get the the kill. We we only hear Blake scream no what no or something like that. Yeah. As he's pumping the water. So I mean I think like there I honestly don't really have any negative things to say about this movie. I think this is. This, guys, this this it's it's still that time of year. I think this might be my favorite movie of 2019. Really? No, it's it's great. Okay. I'm actually gonna go with Ryan on that one. Uh, this is this is beautifully everything across the board. I would have killed to make a movie like this. But okay, so let's just let's just call it out, right? I guess some people did, huh? Yeah, let's let's just call it out here. The reason why we don't follow Blake is because he's the buffoon fat friend. I mean, that's what it is. You know, you got the you got the you you got the tall, skinny guy who's the quiet one, and then you got the uh, and and then you got the chubby friend is who's that a what buffoon. You who went fucks is up. that what you really like? I I went with I that 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 character is is showing that there's no room for empathy in war. I, okay, I that's think a very that's, good point. Okay, that's what Blake had because this is a person who's driven because he's doing it for his brother. Um. 
but, but yeah, but he's the one that's making jokes. Yeah, he's trying to be lighthearted about this and trying to keep a, a composure. He sees this enemy in, in trouble, and again, that's where his his human side takes over. But you're in a war, buddy. There's there's no more rules. There's no more moral here. What a way know? for him to go to. What a I mean. One of the most um, painful deaths in a war movie was Saving Private Ryan for me. It was towards the end where, um, I forget the character's name, but he's the Jewish character, and he's in a knife fight with the German. Ooh, yeah. And then, like, the German's getting ready to stab him, and he's like, no, 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 please. He's, like, begging because he knows what's going to happen. The German slowly, you know, penetrates him with the knife. And that always affected me as a kid, more so than the D-Day battle because that was very slow. This brought me back to that feeling in that moment because I don't know if you guys could tell the makeup in this was just astonishing because he gets stabbed in the stomach. He takes off his gear. You see the blood pouring and immediately his face turns white. Yeah, good, good observation. And I'm just like, oh, man, he ain't good. I mean, I mean, he looked like a ghost. And I was like, oh, shit, he's dead. That's how you knew, right? Like that, yeah, that's that how detail. I knew. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, what's it going to be? Is it going to be the rest of the movie of him logging him around, not knowing what's going to happen? But to see his skin turn, I'm just like, oh, fuck. And he then what a... happens? You get that moment where his friend dies, he has five seconds to deal with it, and then boom, here's the cavalry to save the day. They were just a few seconds late. Yeah. It's, uh... Oh, speaking of that cavalry coming in, there was a lot of cameos. Mm. Was that the guy who played... um? Uh, fuck Casey Jones and uh, no, no no he looked like him. No, that's Mark Strong. Uh, he he's mo- he's usually the villain in movies. He's a villain from Kick Ass, villain from oh, Shazam. Okay. Uh, she was in uh, Shazam. Yeah, you can see where I get the he's Casey the... Jones reference, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Make sure I'm they, not they stupid. Kind of look the the same, but yeah, he he plays a typical uh baddie. But you had Colin Firth coming in here. You had Benedict. Uh, Cumberbatch in here. You had um, oh, Richard Madden. Yeah, was, uh, Rob Stark. To, yeah, I was yeah. trying to remember his name. Um, you even had some other. Uh, I, I looked up the the cast and it looks like uh, Billy Postlethwaite. I, I can't pronounce that name too well, but um, son of Pete Postlethwaite. Postle, help me out. Do you guys Postlethwaite. know Postlethwaite. 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 Yeah. Postlethwaite. Billy Postlethwaite was in this movie. Was in this movie as well, um, so it's you know nice to see the the family torches being passed along uh, a generation. So when they okay, so after 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 as friend Blake dies, we're now on our own, and we get some more characters that he gets introduced to. But then we get into this blown up big village, small city kind of thing, I guess you would say. And uh, he kills a sniper, and it goes black. This is the part of the movie though where I wish my drunkenness was still back at this point, because up until he leaves the woman and the child, it it, it did. I guess it would be my only complaint. It, it did drag a little bit there for me. The lull. When, you know what I mean? It was just, just, just a little bit. Nothing that I'm like, oh, this is boring. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't looking at my phone. But no, it, it dragged. Start a third act. It dragged. Yeah. It's, it, it, it it's typical dragged. for something like that. You know, it's same thing with the the other type of wartime movies. You have this the the moment before the big and you just kinda have to um calm down a little bit so that they can build the tension again, a reset. Now again, when I was watching the movie, I'm I'm starting to, you know, 
I, I keep on emphasizing the whiskey because that's the way you, you, you should watch this movie, not knowing what you're getting yourself into, right? And you have that liquid encouragement just fucking with your mind. And uh, when he meets the uh, the young woman in the basement with the baby, that's not her baby, you know. Um, she found it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to myself saying, you know what? He could. He could just sit here and say, fuck it. You know, fuck those 600, uh, 1,600 guys. Blake's dead, so, you know, who cares? I can just be with this woman and this baby, escape. Like, I was, I was, I was having that monologue in my head, like, you know, what would I do in this situation? Would I continue to fight? Or would I just go with her and have a family? I mean, I'm serious, because that's the way it was kind of, like, portraying to me that he could go that way if he wanted to. Good moments or, in the movie. Or am I just completely blown smoke here? No, I I agree with you. I, I I had the the same thought. That's kind of at that moment where he's forgets he's in a war almost. Yeah, right. And it's like, and then we don't know what happens to her, so that's kind of like sad. It's like, oh goddamn, what happened? You know, because there's Germans everywhere. They eventually were gonna find her. You would imagine so, right? Right. Like, you could you could think that, but I mean, they that was a, a French town. Okay, they, that's they, what I was asking. Uh, did they? Did they? Were they? Were they fighting in France? Because because the British soldiers said this is not even our country, and I, and I don't think they were in Germany. Yeah, I would. So, so I would, they were in France. I would. Yeah, that's France seems to be where it was. I forget what city it was, but um, she was speaking French. Yeah, it's a French French city. Okay. Hey Ryan, I don't know if you noticed any of these details, but one of the details that the soldiers in the uh, in the jeep um, after Blake died was saying. Those bastards, they killed the cows, so we can't eat them. Like, little details like that. You see all these dead cows everywhere. Yeah, in the background when they're in the hum, like a Humvee, whatever, the caravan. Yeah. So, yeah. The, re- the reason I'm asking that question is that, is this, and this both of you, I guess, but Ryan, I'll ask you first. Is this arguably some of the best filmmaking of all time? Because not a single stone is left unturned. Like, every little detail is explained. Like I'm blown away by that. I don't think Tarantino could make a movie like this. Hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm being serious. I mean, Sam Mendes is a, is a genius. No, I just like I just I just thought it was funny. I'm not like I'm not laughing at you. I just when you said great, like you you're saying this is some of the greatest filmmaking of all time, and then you your comparison point is Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino like, makes history good movies. of filmmakers. Hey, Tarantino <laughs> he does makes good. He makes good movies, but he would not go into the detail that Sam Mendes has in this movie. No, I think. Well, there. I mean, that's that's for a reason, right? Because this is all this is this is all single take stuff. The gimmick of the movie is it's presented as one long take, one continuous shot. But there's always a central focus point. So you know, there's not a whole lot that's really gonna like that. There's if you if you look at something like Saving Private Ryan. And the the storming of the beach, right? There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of quick cuts. There's a lot of you know blood, bullets flying, and everything like that. You don't really have that a whole lot. You don't really have anything like that in this movie because it's you're supposed to be centrally focused on these two characters and eventually Schofield for like the second half of the movie. Um, so yeah, like I've the, it's this is where you you kind of have to pay attention to the details because your the viewer's eye is gonna wander. At a certain point, like you, you, you're you're keeping it on this character on the like, this. That's that's why you have a lot of like Rome, like circular shots where it kind of circles around the character. Is that the cut? What do you mean? Because there has to be multiple cuts, right? I oh, mean, like I mean, yeah, when, yeah. when the camera moves, is that the cuts? 
You think? Well, I mean, they they probably I mean they probably digitally merge stuff together. Of course. Because like that's what they did for um, Birdman. If you watch some of the making of for Birdman, like when they do their whip pans, things like that. There's that that's where most of their cuts are. Dark have dark whip shots pans in this movie. Dark shots yeah, is when like, they when they're going into the um, in the trenches when they're going into the rooms like those those full dark shots. Right. You can cut right yeah. there. But. But, like, the viewer's eye is going to wander. And that's why there's a lot of... Because you can't have a whole lot of gaga going on. So, yes, uh, like, the, the attention to detail is always important when you're making movies. But especially with something like this, yeah, um, it's super important. I mean, like, there's no other way I could have seen have made this movie. Because I thought about that driving home. I was like, well, couldn't they have told this like a Saving Private Ryan? I mean, could they have started with the big opening battle of No Man's Land, get the audience hyped and ready to go... And shoot this like a traditional movie. Could they have? And I keep on replaying it these past couple days before the review here. And I'm just like, no, I don't see this movie, this story, being filmed any other way. I mean, this one-shot idea is, I think it's brilliant. I think it wouldn't be, the movie itself wouldn't really be worthwhile. Because, like, I think think the reason Sam, like, Sam Mendes makes this movie because of his grandfather. Like, it's, it's in his, it's dedicated to him at the end. Yeah. Um. And like he fought in World War One, obviously World War One has a big impact on Sam Mendes. But like to make, I don't know, Sam Mendes is one of, is is one of the better directors that, that have come along in the the past couple decades. Um, and I don't like he's he's smart. He doesn't like I mean, Spectre obviously is kind of the outlier, but he doesn't really just make movies. There's always like a punch to him, and I think like if he would have. If, it, if this would have been presented as a traditional war film, something like Midway with like, like Roland Emmerich came out with uh, earlier yeah. last year, it, it wouldn't be worthwhile. Like, what would be the point? We've seen this before. Right. Well, okay. Okay, so he's getting chased by the German soldiers. He jumps into um, this river. And another thing that was really like, oh, God, what would I do in this situation? There's this tree... Uh, going across the river, and it's kind of like a makeshift dam in a way, and it's just cluttered with bodies. And he has to climb over the bodies to get out of the water, to get on land. I'm just like, God damn it. Like, (laughs) that sucks, right? He finally gets a chance to meet up with the 1,600 men that are going to fight, and he's trying to find who? The general? Is that right? The general he's supposed to find, right? Yeah. Okay, he's trying to find the general. This trench is different than the trenches that we saw in the beginning of the movie, the British and the German trench. What's this white? Is that that's not sand? That's this rock? What is that white stuff coming out of the trench? That's all around it. What oh, is that? I, I, I we have to look it up. It's but I, I'm not a geologist. Uh, probably some sort of maybe a, like a lime or sandstone, I guess. Because the reason why I ask is because because it, it, it's it's weird. It, it 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 took me out of the movie for the minute because. You know, we get the trenches with the British in the beginning, and they look like a normal, typical World War One trench, you know, with wood and sandbags and mud and all that. And kind of the same thing with the Germans, too. And this looked completely different. Like, just the way, with, just with, the, with that white rock or whatever, I thought it was an interesting look. And I didn't know if you guys thought of anything of it, because I thought it was weird. But he has to get to the general to stop... The attack, the attack's going on. He runs across the field. He gets into the general, which is Benedict Cumberbatch, and they talk for a little bit. And my favorite line in the movie, believe it or not, is, "All right, now go fuck off." Yeah. Like he just looks so defeated. Well, I, it was a good, it was a good 
moment when um, uh, uh, Schofield actually came into the convoy and what was his name? Yeah, Mark Strong told him that when you do that letter, make sure you do it in, with witnesses. Make sure you do it where people can see you doing this because some men just want to, or just in it for the fight, is that what he says? Yeah, some men just want to fight or just in it for the fight, yeah. So you could kind of, going into that, see um, what Benedict uh, Cumberbatch is kind of wearing on his shoulders. You know, he, he wants to go and he wants, he's here to, to fight. Yeah. And um, that's what his, uh, I think it was great, his little, little fuck off part was just like, fine, I guess I hope, hope you're happy. You get to live, you know. He gets a chance to actually meet Blake's brother. They have a great moment, great acting from both of them. And a little side note, uh, that was the first scene shot during filming. Um, I found that interesting. And the movie ends where it begins, right, with him sitting at a tree. And I think that's the reason why he didn't go with the woman and the baby, because it looks like he has his own family back home. Yeah. It looks presumably like Presumably Sam Mendes's uh, mom and grandma, right? Is that who that is in real life? Well, at the end of the movie, he gave credit to Lord uh, Lance Corporal Mendez. Yes. So I am probably safe in assuming that a lot of the war details or story or a lot of this movie probably came from that reference. Okay. I, I, that's just like a, a guess, but it, it makes sense. And it doesn't have to be... I guess the Mendez family, it could just be, you know, any old. You're right that he's reflecting on probably what the hell he's doing here and what he's fighting for. Right. Okay. Well, everybody, uh, let's get into our popcorn rating here, guys, to see what we're going to think. And I, and I think this is going to be unanimous, right? Ryan, what's your popcorn rating for 1917? No bag. Got it. Well, it's this is what's what's higher than a large bag? We get like you're putting you're putting toppings on it at that point. Yeah, you put okay. in the ranch so like, stuff and the butter. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, you, you purchase, like, you you fork out the $3 to purchase the shaker of flavored powder yeah. to put on top of it. You got your nacho cheese, your white cheddar, your ranch, all that jazz. Going yeah. big. Um, yeah, no, this is, this is like, a, it's, I like I said earlier, I don't really have anything negative to say about it. It's beautifully shot. It's technically brilliant. The acting, the two, the two leads, I... I I picked up that it was Tommen. Um, the, the other guy, Schofield, took me a while to figure out where I remember him from. He's from this movie called Captain Fantastic with Viggo Mortensen. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie. He's pretty good in that. He Viggo um, won an those, award for that movie, didn't he? He got nominated for an Oscar oh, for that movie. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a weird movie, but it's pretty fun. Um, but, like, <clears throat> those two guys are going to be big. I, I, I swear. Like, after seeing this movie, if they're not in more things, I would be very surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this when because when this won the Golden Globe for best drama, and I know Golden Globes they don't really fucking matter, but it's it's considered a, a you know a big award here in America, uh, and like I just assume like oh they gave it to it because it's a war movie blah, blah blah all this stuff, but no like this legit this I, I mean this might be for me I think this one's probably gonna win best picture. Um, it it should I, definitely I know, be Joker. Should be Joker. Well, yeah, because it's yeah, it's way better than Joker. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think, I mean, I know for a fact it's a lock that it's going to win cinematography. If it doesn't, I'm going to be super confused. Um, and <laughs> if and and I think Sam Mendes is going to win Best Director. It's I think that's what pretty pretty well shoot in. Um, 
but yeah, like th- this movie is brilliantly constructed, um, where it, br- it brings you in for like, you know, it's, 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 um, you got the beginning then you, you see the horror then you get the tension. Then there's a lull, then you get more tension lull. Like it's, it's a brilliant roller coaster. Um, and yeah, I highly recommend anyone they should go out. You should go to the theater and watch it. I, I yeah. was going to go watch it in IMAX and I kind of regret not doing that. Hmm. Yeah, IMAX would have been a good experience. Definitely. So, a large bag and extra for you. Eric, what's your popcorn rating for 1917? Oh, geez. Well, more of the same. Uh, get a large bag with uh, some extra butter on there. Shit, I'll even go back for a refill. It's, uh, it's a good movie. I enjoyed a, a just basically everything about it. I'm trying to think if there's anything that I didn't like and... I, I can't even I can't even pinpoint it. Everything just worked. The characters had a proper amount of screen time. Nothing was oversaturated. It moved quick. It paced really well. Two hours went by um, in a in a in a flash, just because you are you're in it. You're not wor- worrying about your time at all. Uh, this is great. If it's going to go up against the other nominees, I would. Yeah, I guess it's either going to be this one or Joker in, in our book, right? But you still have the Irishman, which I don't think I can't people... believe that's gotten so much hype. <laughs> you still have well, that's it, it's it alone. That movie might go as far as it has or will more because of just the the name power, just because the glory that's in it here too. Um, I could see this easily winning Best Picture. Uh, I could also, for some reason, see see for some reason Parasite throwing in an upset and Best Picture. Um, I I don't I don't know why, but I this will most certainly pick up a lot of the technical awards. I agree with you, Ryan, that uh, cinematography, I think sound editing, is going to be um, a big one on this one too. It's just when it comes to war movies, there's a lot of explosions, there's a lot of rifles, there's a lot of mechanics. I think that it's great. Uh, it's not like doing footsteps down the stairs, down the stairs like in Joker. Um, that one's pretty easy to match the sound, I think, or at least easier than trying to blow up a, a barn. Right. I, anyway, that's what it is. Large bag and, and everything with it. This was a good movie, but yeah, and I agree with you, Ryan. It ha- you have to see this in theaters. Like it's it's to your everyone's interest so to see it in theaters, or if you have a big old TV at home, I guess. Right. No, I'm, there's nothing I can say that you guys haven't already said. I mean, uh, wow, this movie's great. Everything about it is great. I was completely blown away by it. And I suggest everybody go out and drink some whiskey before seeing this because it's a great experience (laughs) to see this. So, I mean, I'm not going to repeat what you guys already said. We are totally across the board saying that this is an amazing film. So if you haven't seen it in theaters yet, go see it. A movie that we are completely going to bash is next week, and that's Bad Boys for Life. That's happening. What you Bad gonna do? What you gonna do? Now, here's the funny thing, real quick, before we end the show. I uh, had this conversation with you, Eric. I'm like, why don't they just do a Bad Boys 3, and the fourth one's supposed to be called Bad Boys for Life? They jumped the shark. If you're gonna go crazy, come on. What's wrong with you? But no. This is the one last time. Right? They said that in 2003 with the second one. But hey. Let's do one more job. Last here's the cool job. Thing, There's no Michael Bay attached to this at all. So I'm, well, I'm looking good. for then something decent. I could take my uh, I keep my lens flare glasses at home then. Right. 
Ryan, have you seen any of the Bad Boys movies? Oh yeah, no, I really love the first one. The second one's too long. Yeah, uh, but I really, I really like the first one. Are you excited to see Bad Boys for Life? Not really, but I mean, <laughs> I will watch it. We have to. I just, it's, I mean, it's you know, two guys. Oh, Will Smith's in very good shape, but like two guys in their mid fifties, uh, going to be doing the same jokes. I'm assuming that they did in the mid nineties, right? Uh, when they're they're going to be outdated. Uh, it's going to be a Michael Bay knockoff. It's probably going to have the feel of pain and gain. Uh, yeah, I'm not super that. excited, but um, I, I, I'm going to watch it. Well, fans, if you're not excited about that review, be excited for the last review of January because we'll be ending the month of January with the complete season one review of The Mandalorian. That show's gotten a lot of hype. I can't wait to talk about that season with these guys, and that's going to be a longer show, probably not as long as our uh, Haunting of Hill House, but we're going to go into as much detail as we possibly can with that show because there's a lot of interesting things to talk about. So I'm excited for that show as well. But thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this most recent episode of Movie Guys Podcast. Check us out on the social media platforms across the board there, and don't forget to download us on iTunes, on Spotify, and iHeartRadio, and Stitcher, and everything else. Uh, Eric and uh, Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. And we'll be back next week for Bad Boys for Life. Have a good night.